That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Friday, February 28th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Rockstar might be teasing something with some logo changes. Plague Inc. has been pulled from China's App Store, which is very likely related to the coronavirus. Epic is unsure about data that is being shared about its massive hit Fortnite. And we look at what games released today. A change on Rockstar's website could be a tease for a future release. Rockstar Games, the studio behind literally some of the most successful video games of all time, including Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption 2, recently made a small but interesting update to its website that could optimistically be a tease for some kind of announcement or, pessimistically, could be nothing. Alex Avard for Games Radar reported on the site update, writing... The first newly discovered piece of artwork, depicting what can only be described as a female Oscar android hugging the famous rock star R next to a bucket of champagne, appeared on the site earlier this week, originally written off as just another decoration to embellish the webpage's sidebar. Following that, another more interesting logo image surfaced, which fans are taking as more definitive proof that we're on the precipice of a major new announcement from the Revere developer although it might be a bit too soon to declare an announcement coming. Avard reminds later in the story that Red Dead Redemption 2's first tease came in the form of Rockstar changing its Twitter logo, which is why the internet is fawning over this perhaps small webpage tweak. Red Dead Redemption 2 came out in 2018, but Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013, which means, in terms of timeline anyway, it's about time for a new Grand Theft Auto, But as the consoles get more and more powerful, it's also fair to assume that Rockstar's impossibly detailed open worlds will take longer and longer to develop. So it's hard to say if a new Grand Theft Auto or at least even, you know, an announcement is around the corner. Then there are also the rumors of a Bully 2 that are always swirling on the periphery. I'm certainly ready for a new Grand Theft Auto. I actually booted up the Xbox One version of Grand Theft Auto 5 the other day. I have a save file that's a few hours in, and I played a few missions. It was very random. My big hope for the next Grand Theft Auto is that Rockstar just scales back on all like the sexual innuendo jokes surrounding store names and stuff like that. We know that Rockstar is fully capable of telling incredible, compelling, genuinely emotional stories like it did with Red Dead Redemption 2. And when those kinds of jokes are appearing in the background, those jokes that kind of permeate Grand Theft Auto, it's just really distracting at this point. Plague Inc. has been pulled from China's App Store. Plague Inc. is a game about managing the spread of a virus across the world. It has been a popular and successful fictional simulation game for some time, 
But with all of these issues related to the coronavirus, it looks like China has decided to remove the game from the digital storefronts in the country. Amanda Yeo reported on the story from Mashable, writing, Pandemic simulator Plague Inc. became China's top-paid iOS download in January as players flocked to the game in the wake of coronavirus concerns. Now the game has been taken down from China's app store with the Cyberspace Administration of China citing illegal content. Plague Inc. developer Endemic Creations announced the sudden removal in a February 27th blog post. We've just been informed that Plague Inc. includes content that is illegal in China as determined by the Cyberspace Administration of China and has been removed from the China App Store, Endemic Creations wrote. This situation is completely out of our control. So this is a tough situation. I understand China would be sensitive about a game that gamifies the spread of disease and developer endemic creations in its blog writing about how the game was pulled did acknowledge that the coronavirus is not officially why the game was taken down. They wrote, it's not clear to us if this removal is linked to the ongoing coronavirus outbreak that China is facing. But I think more than anything, the popularity of the game should be embraced right now. The game does serve as a way to educate how disease spreads, and it could even be used as a way to deliver information about how to prevent the disease from spreading further. Last month, Endemic Creations posted a blog about its efforts related to the coronavirus where they wrote, We specifically designed Plague, Inc. to be realistic and informative while not sensationalizing serious real-world issues. This has been recognized by the CDC and other leading medical organizations around the world. So, I just don't know that pulling it really accomplishes anything. I can sympathize with both China and Endemic, who are understandably frustrated that their game was pulled for the store for unclear reasons. Fortnite developers question numerical data surrounding its games from Superdata. I think this story is interesting because I I personally am always fascinated by how gaming data and sales are tracked. I have commiserated about it before, but I always really want to know how many people are playing games and how many copies a game has sold. But there's really no reliable public source of information about this. And this story only makes things more confusing. Brendan Sinclair wrote about this for GamesIndustry.biz, and you can find the link to the story and all the stories I talk about in every episode, by the way, in the show notes. But Sinclair wrote, Epic Games is disputing some of the numbers being publicized regarding its free-to-play battle royale shooter Fortnite. The company reached out to GamesIndustry.biz today with a statement questioning the methodology of Nielsen's market intelligence firm Superdata. Superdata does not and has not ever had access to Epic's Fortnite revenue data and Superdata's reports do not accurately reflect Fortnite's performance, an Epic representative said. We are disappointed that Superdata has repeatedly published wildly inaccurate reports about Fortnite based on what we believe is questionable methodology. While we do not and have not publicly shared revenue numbers for Fortnite, we will say that Superdata's reports do not align with reality. Epic's comments to GamesIndustry.biz were not in regard to a specific report, but Superdata recently released a report that basically said Fortnite was on the decline and said its earnings were the lowest they had been since November 2017. In response to Epic's statement, Superdata told GamesIndustry.biz it has, quote, a proven methodology 
and validation process. I'm not rooting for Fortnite's decline or anything like that. I like Fortnite. I think it's a fun game and Epic has been incredibly smart in terms of embracing its success and capitalizing on it. But I'm, I think it's safe to say that nothing lasts forever, so it will dip eventually. Maybe that time is now, but my big takeaway from the story is just, who do you believe? I, I would love to have real, undisputable data about a game's health, and it's a bummer that that kind of data just it just really doesn't exist. I remember reading interviews with Xbox Live Arcade developers early in the service's lifespan that would say the only way they were really able to track their sales was by looking at how many screen names appeared in the leaderboards that every live arcade game was required to include. I assume those developers eventually got reports about sales numbers and the like, but I just wish there was a place to see downloads and sales numbers. Just give us more transparency video games, please. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Here's what released today on Friday, February 28th. One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows is out today for PC, PS4, and Xbox One for $59.99. The game is based on the anime and manga series One Punch Man, which I'm a fan of. It's basically a comedy action franchise, and the whole idea is the titular One Punch Man has gotten so strong that he is able to defeat every enemy in one punch, and he's grown nihilistic about everything because life provides no challenge or excitement for him. It's very rewarding to watch for someone like me that is a big Dragon Ball fan and likes anime that is all about characters trying to become stronger and stronger. I've only dug into the game a little bit, but it's heavily modeled after Jump Force in terms of mechanics and gameplay. I'm excited to play more. If nothing else, it got me to start rewatching the first season while I was doing some work last night and preparation. And it was a good reminder that the show has just fantastic action sequences and is also really genuinely funny. Metro Redux is out on Switch today, which is a compilation that includes the first two Metro games, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light, plus all their various DLCs. I would take the technical promises of this quote with a grain of salt because this is directly from the marketing press release for the game. 
but it says, Developed in-house by 4A Games over the course of eight months, Metro Redux runs flawlessly at native 720p in handheld mode and 1080p when docked, all while maintaining a rock-solid 30 FPS. Again, that's from the press release. You can buy the games individually on the Nintendo eShop for $24.99 each, or you can get both games on a cartridge for $49.99. I know that literally just a few seconds ago, I expressed pessimism at the games running well on Switch, but I will say that Developer 4A Games is a very, very technically proficient studio, and hearing that the ports were made in-house is a very good sign for those games. Metro is a series I've never played for more than about an hour or so of, so I'm all about this opportunity to catch up on Switch. Also out today is Romance of the Three Kingdoms 14 for PC and PlayStation 4. This is one of those series that has been around since 1985 that just keeps cranking out sequels. And this is not meant to be insulting because I know there are fans out there. They wouldn't keep making sequels if it wasn't selling. But in all my years, I don't think I have ever met a person who has played any of those games. So if you're out there, and I know you are, send me a message. Let me know what's cool about Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Have I been missing something all these years? I want to learn. This is something I should have covered yesterday, but I unfortunately neglected. But I do think it's cool. Mostly, though, it was... I told my kid about it, and I watched her just scramble to find her Switch and load up Pokemon Sword as fast as possible, and watching that happen made me think, you know, hey, maybe I should mention this on the show. So yesterday, February 27th, was Pokemon Day, celebrating the 24-year anniversary of the release of Pokemon Red and Green in Japan, and in honor of the occasion, you can capture the original starters in Pokemon Sword and Shield and fight, but not capture Mewtwo. To take part, you have to make sure Pokemon Sword and Shield are up to date, of course. Head to the Wild Area, go into the Mystery Gift section of the menu, and get the latest Wild Area news. And then after you do that, some of the Dynamax raids will feature Dynamax Mewtwo, Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. You can't capture Mewtwo, but you should be able to capture the others. This event ends on March 1st, so make sure you jump on that this weekend if you want to get any of those guys. I have a small correction here from at Sublime Dent on Twitter that I thought was interesting and worth sharing. Yesterday, I talked about how GOG.com changed its return policy recently to let anyone return a game for any reason within 30 days, and I referred to them as good old games, which was not inaccurate, but in 2012, the company officially rebranded itself to just GOG.com. So that's their official name. So if you were like, what the heck is good old games? know that I was referring to GOG.com's old name. If you've got corrections for me, tweet them at me, at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can email them to me, kyle at ridehome.info. That's it for video game news today. I'm going all in on One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows right now because I'm reviewing it for somebody, and my initial impressions are positive. There is a lot of tutorial at the beginning, and it's pretty much all text that you just kind of need to read through. I've already adopted a kind of bedtime habit after I started playing PictoQuest a few days ago. I do what I need to do before bed, and for someone of my profession, that meant, you know, doing a bunch of writing while watching One Punch Man, and 
then playing a bit of One Punch Man. But when it was time to go to bed, I got all snuggly, grabbed my Switch Lite, and I played a few puzzles in PictoQuest. And you know what? It made me happy. I really, really like that game so far. I don't know that I can universally recommend it, honestly, but if you have any affection for Picross puzzles, this is probably my favorite Picross in some time. Thanks for listening today. Feel free to send me tweets or DMs with feedbacks and corrections to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast on whatever application you use to listen to it. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow.